there's a famous phrase in comedy where at the end of a gig, men get numbers, women women get advice. I think it comes from the the sort of ancient traditional roles of like a man trying to chat up a woman, you know, like trying to be funny. Men love, uh, women love funny guys, right? But men, not all men love a funny woman because it can be intimidating. On today's episode, I speak to comedian Alexandra Haddo. In this hilarious and heartwarming conversation, Alex and I talk about the realness of being a woman right now, about societal pressures, about timelines that most of us don't follow or fit into, about how we say sorry so much and maybe we should say thank you instead, about how to be real and messy and human when social media makes it look like our lives are all really perfect, and the ways in which Alex is creating space to tell new types of stories and to own the humanness and reality of our own stories through comedy. So to get us started, we don't like to define people, we let people define themselves. So how do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, that's that's hard as a British person, isn't it? Just, um, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm a comedian, which is uh, something that I was saying to my friend that I've only actually started saying in the last probably like a year and a half before that I was like I do comedy um so yeah I'm a comedian a bit of a writer um I run I'm, a, I'm now a DJ accidentally um that's another whole other thing oh, my name is Alexandra Haddo hello <laughs> I probably should have started with my name shouldn't I just rolled off my CV hello that's me I think it's a good good introduction. So I wanted to talk to you because comedy is traditionally seen as a very male-dominated space. Yeah. Um, we were talking about your name as well and how there aren't as many Alexandras as there are Alexes. Yeah. Um, and also because the world is really bleak, right? Like, if you look at my notes, I literally have the world is so fucking bleak right now. <laughs> um, the world is really bleak and yeah. it feels like comedy is a nice way to get at it without just, like, sitting in despair. Yeah, absolutely. That's... So... To get started, how, how did you start doing comedy? Um, I started because my friend tricked me into doing a gig. Um, I was always a massive comedy fan, but I never I never thought I was going to do it. I didn't really have... I mean, I did sort of, you know, Amdram theatre when I was a kid and stuff, but I wasn't like a theatre person or an actress or anything like that. Um, I worked in an office. I worked in PR and magazines and stuff, and uh, my friend was a stand-up. And he said, oh, you should, you should give it a go because we were writing scripts and stuff together. And uh, I, was, I was like, absolutely not. Could never do that. Um, massively in awe of people that do it. And he was like, no, 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 you should give it a go. I said, no. And then he said, oh, you should write like five minutes of what you would say if you were going to do a gig. Uh, and so I said, okay, yeah, fine, I'll do that. To be fair, that's quite a fun writing exercise. And then I wrote that and he looked through it and he was like, this is quite good. Um, Thank God, because I've booked you in to do like a five minute spot <laughs> at a new act night, like the day after. So if it wasn't for him, I would not have ever done it. Um, so basically I owe it all to a man. No. Um, <laughs> you owe it to your own talent. I owe it to my own talent and my friend who was very supportive and pushed me to do it in a good way, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah. And what kinds of things were, how has your actor, your comedy developed since then, since that first five minute spot? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would like to think it's a little bit more clever. It's a little bit more grown up, but I'm still kind of talking about the same themes, but at a different sort of stage of my life, I think. I'm still talking about, um, you know, sex and relationships and 
uh, family and expectation and what my friend used to call the tyranny of the timeline. Like, you know, you should be doing this by this age and this by this age. And uh, I think I'm sort of doing everything in reverse. Like I had quite a stable, nice relationship when I was in my early 20s and worked in an office and now I work in comedy and it's all gone the other way around. Uh, so I'm, I'm just basically going to be the sort of living in a squat by the time I'm 60 <laughs> and uh, comedy is going to seem like a stable profession in in comparison. That's the, that's the aim. <laughs> Do you, was the stuff that you were already like talking to your friends about and it felt like I can now talk to more people about it was it stuff yeah. that you, yeah. no de- oh, definitely no me and my friends are always talking about that sort of stuff and I'm friends with a lot of boys as well and it's weird how they never talk about it uh, they never talk about oh you know what if this doesn't happen or, or what if this does happen or do I want kids or do I not want kids I feel like they're just they're just sort of sort of ambling along which is sort of me really as well um but I feel like all my female friends actively think about stuff like that and and relationships and and what they want more than guys do do you think that also means that the things that you're talking about in your comedy are just inherently different from what men are talking about because I don't think the subject is different I think a lot of men talk about relationships and uh sex and you know yeah. how they relate to other people and friend and friendships even actually is is um i mean the london comedy scene i would say is a little sort of bubble of its own it's maybe not representative of like the entire country but i do think the guys are talking about the same themes but they are they are coming at it from a totally different angle you know they're and quite usually the quite self-aware and stuff so they're well. not talking about the timelines no they're not talking about that as much they de- i definitely never hear guys talking about if they want kids or not, I hear guys talking about if they have them already, mm. like, you know, being a father, that's a, that's a, like quite a common topic. But I think a lot of female comedians, they're talking about what's expected of them versus what they're doing and how much that aligns. I imagine it's also like a, it would be interesting if a man was talking about the timeline in that way. I'm Absolutely. thinking I've never heard a man talk about it in that yeah. way either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes they, you, you know, they touch on certain things or... Or whatever, but it's mostly about like being single and wanting to be in a relationship. It's not sort of my, as milestoney as mm. the, as as women feel the pressure. I would say it's a it's a thing that people always ask you as a woman. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I don't think I've ever asked my 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 close male friends. I do. I would, but not even guys. I sort of. You just start asking random men if yeah, they have children. Yeah, just in the street. Yeah. I just might start doing that, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the thing, right? If, like, people ask women about our relationship status, if we're married, if we are in a relationship, and then yeah. they ask us if we have children. Like, that's that's what's still, yeah. even in this day and age, even in London, like, that is still what life looks like or conversation looks like. Absolutely, and yeah. Imagine asking all the men, like, walking into a room full of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, Why? <laughs> It would be interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I think people always assume correctly uh, that I don't have kids because I think I sort of give off an aura of being an idiot. And if you have a child, then you don't have that. You, I feel like a parent automatically, like male or female, they just seem a bit more capable in their sort of general life. And I feel like people that don't have kids give off a different energy <laughs> as well. 
I was going to challenge you on that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everybody. I just feel, I think it's my perception. I, like, I assume, I think I've got age blindness as well. I think, I assume everybody that is teaching me anything, like a yoga instructor or anybody, like even somebody in a bar that's serving me a drink, I assume they're older than me, completely. And like when people say, you know, oh, well, I'm turning 27 this week. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're definitely older than me. What are you, like, I can't, I think I've, I've got like the reverse body dysmorphia for aging I'm always like no I look younger than them it's like no it's just that you feel younger than them because you don't own anything <laughs> I mean that also plays into like societal expectations right where there is the sense of like to be a real adult we should have certain things in our lives we should oh, at yeah. some point be homeowners we should have children we should yeah exactly that stuff no thank you I mean each to their own god go for your life uh but no I don't have any of those things I feel like it shows on my face and the fact that I have a nose ring in my mid-30s, which is, you know, a life decision that I've outwardly shown that, yeah. <laughs> I also think I'm sure there are plenty of parents out there and grown-ups, real grown-ups, as you are, who have nose rings. It's yes, not... I'm absolutely sure there are, but um, they still seem more capable than me. Just, I think it's maybe in the way they walk, it's something like that. I the just... air of confidence. Yeah, the air of confidence. The air that they've, they've thought ahead at any point in their life. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like I ever have. <laughs> Does it change for you when you're on stage? A what? Thinking ahead? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're always assessing things on stage. I feel like having a scatterbrain is perfect for being a comedian because you can be doing a bit whilst uh, thinking about that bit of the crowd over there that's getting a bit rowdy that you might have to control and then you're like, you're, they're not going for the dirty stuff, so try more, uh, you know, do this bit instead of this bit, try and get the crowd around there. These guys aren't as engaged as these. And while you're, you're doing that while you're talking or even while you're responding to somebody else, but you've got like three or four different things going on in your head. So maybe on stage is the only place that I do feel like I'm the adult in the room. It seems like you're almost like a an orchestra conductor type of thing where you're like looking at all the different sections and trying to make them work together yeah, by telling them definitely. jokes. Definitely as an MC, especially as well. If you're MCing a night, you're trying to, create uh, an atmosphere that makes all those people feel like this which it is but like make them feel like it's a one-off gig so you're trying to mm. pick on people in the audience pick on is the wrong word like I don't pick on anyone but you chat to people in the audience and you kind of create you know these people might be on their second date and you know you're you're creating a thing where like everybody's invested in them a little bit while the gig's going on stuff like that you're definitely that's very orchestral that's a nice way of putting it actually yeah was it was it something that you expected when you started out in comedy that you knew how to work a room in that way? Was that something you had to learn? Was it something you saw other people doing? Oh, definitely. You definitely have to learn it. But I just, I thought, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that. A bit like with any skill, really. You're looking at people that are doing it really well. Um, and the weird thing is with stand-up comedy is that it's often overlooked as an art form. Like comedy didn't get any of the funding for the arts in COVID, anything like that. And it's I think it's because... The better you are at it, the more it looks like you've just got up and said what's ever in your head. Whereas actually you've honed that like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And even like throwaway remarks might be, not always, but might be planned. Yeah. Um, so when you're watching somebody do comedy well, it's almost like you can't see the joints. You can't see the work, which is quite different to other, art, not all, but like some, a lot of other sort of art forms you know if you're watching a musician and they're like working really hard and it's incredible you're like oh wow look at the skill in that um but when people used to say oh you know I change my material while I'm up there depending on the room I was like I'm never gonna be able to do that like <laughs> I just go up with my script that's it 
Um, but that you do because you just learn the more you gig. I imagine it's also with like music or with dance or whatever. There is like a not everyone can get up and like play the guitar, right? Like you have to know how to play the guitar. Yeah. But we can all think we're funny. It doesn't mean we are funny, but we can all think we're funny and translate that into like, surely I could get up there. Like, I couldn't, but like. Yeah, that is, you've hit the nail on the head there. Especially guys always think they can get up and do a set. And you're like, maybe you could. I always tell them to do it. I'm like, you should try it, do it. Because some people can. That's the thing. Like my mate encouraged me, maybe you can. But I think people confuse being funny down the pub with their mates to making a room full of people who don't care if you're funny or not laugh with something that isn't just conversation. It can be conversational. I'm quite conversational on stage, but a well-crafted bit that seems conversational, that seems like you've just, you're just telling a story, but actually you've worked really hard on it. And it is that type of thing. You're completely right, is that people think they're funny. And people are funny, but people are funny in their natural habitat. Mm. it's different when you're you know, going onto a stage cold and being like, right, I'm going to get you to like me and laugh at what I've got to say and understand what... Yeah, it's, it's that is definitely one of the things that I think people think, oh, it's pretty easy, probably. It's, yeah. We were talking about this beforehand um, and the idea that it's, it's gendered as well, right? Like, as women, we aren't generally expected to be funny or thought of as but all a lot of men think they're funny yeah i think so because i think it's exactly that women aren't expected to sort of i think it become i think it comes from the the sort of ancient traditional roles of like a man trying to chat up a woman you know like trying to be funny men love uh, women love funny guys right yeah. but men not all men <laughs> love a funny woman because it can be intimidating. I think some guys want to be the star. Some guys want to be the funny one. They want you to react to them. Not all, hashtag not all men. Um, definitely not. But uh, but some, like, there's a there's a famous phrase in comedy where at the end of a gig, men get numbers, women, women get advice. And it's because, like, you know, girls will go up to guys, but, and people say, oh, you must get, you know, guys coming up to you. Like, you don't. Like, you, you, you know, a little bit you do, but not guys that, are asking you out or they're like, oh, I loved you up there. It was a great set. You know, do you want to go for a drink sometime? It doesn't really happen. Uh, but the other way around, I think, you know, you get a lot more fans as a male. You get, you definitely get fans as a woman, obviously, but it's not as, um, I don't think the opposite sex is as in awe of you. Like if you're a heterosexual comedian, Which it doesn't work so that way. Which is so interesting yeah. because being funny is put on a pedestal in some way right like yeah yeah definitely. we all want to be around funny people yeah they make us laugh that makes us feel good yeah and then you're a funny woman you can make a room full of people laugh yeah exactly and i think it's for some people that's they're like oh i want to see that but i don't want to date that <laughs> but i think there's a reason why female performers often date male performers as well because they're not as they're not intimidated they're not bothered because they're in the same field as well so they get it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it, 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 I imagine it ties into just like the whole like trope of women being intimidating, right? Yeah, I think so. Because what I talk, I mean, I talk about stuff, on, I'm very open on stage and I think maybe some people don't like that. Mm. Um, again, not with, not with, I say London audiences, not with audiences in like cities and stuff yeah. like that, but places where um, they might not watch comedy, you know, they might go to a comedy night twice a year or 
Um, it might there might only be one comedy, one or two comedy nights in the in the town or whatever it is. Um, I think they're less used to seeing like you know women on stage, but I think that is one hundred percent improving. I mean, I'm in a sort of like I say in a very city bubble with it, where I'm never the only woman on a bill and stuff like that. Um, but in yeah, in different places, it's definitely still a little bit sort of oh. A woman talking about shagging. That's nice. <laughs> How quaint. <laughs> Does it still feel, I mean, on the outside, as someone who consumes comedy, it feels very still like male dominated as a space, right? Like you still have to go looking for women comedians or it, it, it feels like there are fewer women in the space and being a woman who is funny and powerful and like leading conversations is not still the norm in the way that it is for men. Yeah, I think my perception of that is skewed though, because I'm in the London comedy scene where it, I mean, it's definitely not 50-50, but you don't, you never feel, oh, it's a very male space. Yeah. Whereas I think globally, yes, you're absolutely right. Like definitely. Um, but I think it's it's vastly improving. Like I don't really know any promoters now that would do an all male lineup. Mm. I think they would always have like a racially diverse lineup, a gender diverse lineup. Um, again, I can't talk for, you know, the middle of nowhere doing, <laughs> putting on a monthly gig or something like that. But definitely in London, it's, it's. Um, I'd say we're probably at the forefront of it globally, probably even more so than America and stuff. And does it feel like it's changed during your time on stage? Um, yeah, a little bit. But I think it was already, London was already kind of, a little bit ahead of I think whatever whatever is happening in comedy London is sort of at the forefront of it yeah um so yeah I think it's difficult to say when you're in it but I think it's yeah even in like six years I've been doing it it's definitely improved and do you think it's I'm curious about like the way the audience reacts to you so we've talked about like women don't get numbers from men in the same way yeah right? but maybe some women do it might just be me <laughs> I'm curious about like the one thing you said, which I wrote down was you have to get the audience to like you first. So there's two types of comedians. I mean, there's many, but there's two styles where it's your um, high status or low status. So I, my stuff is technically, is typically low status. Like here's what happened on a bad date, you know, laugh at my misfortune. Whereas some comedians uh, like Jack D, for example, you know, he hates the audience. You're scum. I'm the elevated one. Right. There are people like that. You don't have to like them because that's the whole shtick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Catherine Ryan is a little bit like that. You know, she's extremely powerful. She's extremely like, my husband's fit. My life's amazing. Like, ugh, you people are, you know, she's like high status and she, again, but she's still likable. Yeah. And I think you're going to, you're going to get more laughs from an audience that likes you if you know than you are if they if you're funny but they're like oh he's a bit it's like some people sort of really hit it wrong some people try and try and do that arrogant thing but it's not naturally them Mm. so it comes across as oh we don't like you and you know if you go in too hard on an audience member or something the audience will turn yeah and then you haven't got them on side anymore you know yeah naturally the audience is on your side they want to be entertained they want you to make them laugh but if you if you fuck it up, then there's however many people versus you in a room. Has that ever happened to you? Not really. Like, I'm quite smiley um, and uh, I'm quite chatty and stuff like that. But there's been times where I've been, where I've realised that I've sort of gone too hard on someone. But usually if you 
acknowledge it, mm. then the audience is then back with you again. You know, if you got if you say like, God, I don't know why I did that, sir. Like, sorry about that. Um, God, you will hate me now, don't you? And then, right, you know, then you can kind of right. start again. It seems like it's a lot of thinking about people dynamics in some yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was yeah. it something you had to learn? Like, tell us your tricks. What do you use in a room full of people? Because for so many of us, we are trying to make sense of like, not how to be liked, but yeah, you know, how to generate buy-in. Um, I think it's, I mean, I'm very, very, very social in my normal life anyway. So I guess it's an osmosist into me. <laughs> That's not a word. Um, and But I think what it is really is, you know, if you've got, for instance, if I come onto a front row and I've got a guy in an expensive suit uh, out with three other guys from work and they're all, you know, they've got their feet on the stage if they're on the front row. I know they're, they're a bunch of arrogant pricks. So like mm. everyone's going to hate them. So I can go for them. But if you've got a guy maybe sitting on his own uh, and you can tell he's not with the person next to him and he's maybe looking a bit shy, like don't go in for that person. Yeah. Um, or if you do, sort of build them up. You know, if you're like, if you've taken these guys down, you can make them the baddies of the show and they'll be like, what's your name? So, oh, you've come out on your own tonight. Brilliant, you love comedy. What do you do? That's a great job. I think everyone, you know, you can create like little tribes within the mm. thing. So you're basically preying on, preying on like, the, like high status people really is the people you can take the piss out of. Like, it's like in life, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say to your friend that's really insecure about having bad skin, like, oh, your skin looks awful today. But like, but you might take the piss out of your mate who, um, you know, is a little bit too confident. You'd be like, oh, yeah, you, you just, you know, being quiet as usual. You know, stuff like that. Like you can, you know, the line, really. Yeah. Everybody does. I mean, in some ways, it feels like you're creating a world and you are in charge of the world for a little bit. Yeah, it's nice, actually, because the world is a mess, like you were saying just before we came on. It's, there's a lot to be angry about. Um, and that's that is actually why sort of on Twitter and stuff, I'm quite political and you know, quite, well, very sort of against the government. I mean, who isn't? Um, and, uh, but on stage, I don't really touch on it because I think people come to comedy to kind of escape that. Yeah. And you sort of want to go into like a small dark room, feel anonymous and not think about the state of anything else in the world or your life. And do you think the things, you're obviously talking about your life and being you yeah. and it's relatable which is why as Hopefully. you said yeah and like people laugh because they they get it there are other people out there is that an escape or is that you shining a light on like how absurd and broken and shit things are but like in a in a funny way yeah i think it's sometimes it's collective relief that you know other people are like oh yeah that is weird that we've taught this or that is weird that we're made to feel like this or you know I think there's there's again there's two things in comedy there's pointing out something to people that they've never thought of before and that makes them laugh there's the surprise of that or you're telling people what they already know like Peter Kay or you know people like people like that like Mickey Flanagan Michael McIntyre they're sort of what you would call mainstream comics who are basically telling you about like the minutiae of your everyday life and taking the piss out of it sometimes it's literally just going through what you do and you're laughing because you feel seen and you yeah. feel like oh my god that is what we do you know that kind of thing yeah. but then so you know sometimes you're taking a weird spin on something and somebody's i used to do a bit about how it was ridiculous that you had to take uh, you had to go in for a little chat when you had the morning after pill because you were basically being assessed as to whether or not you were responsible enough to not have a child it's like i'm here getting like i'm here getting the medication do you know what i mean like yeah. why why are you acting like i'm a fucking idiot like I, i'm here 
you know i'm trying to take control of the situation and that's kind of a way you know a new way to look at something that probably a lot of the audience have been through as well yeah like it should be enough that you're there it shouldn't yeah yeah i know you can you can buy knives over the counter without a fucking interrogation but like oh you've had a you've had a slip up come into the little room and be talked to like you're a six-year-old well wrong analogy to use but you know what i mean <laughs> hopefully no six-year-olds, hopefully are, no six-year-olds are getting that yeah. <laughs> what are the things that you are talking about right now in in your comedy like what are the things that you just you want us to all be thinking about or you you think are making people laugh because as we've said many times everything is really bleak right now yeah so uh my well so i'm writing my first ever solo hour which as your debut hour in comedy it's almost like a sort of like a watershed moment you're sort of saying even though you've been around for years you're sort of saying like here's my first sort of big body of work as a solo performer and my first hour is a show called not my finest hour and it's about it's about essentially doing things wrong which i think it's sort of commenting on it's it's i don't want to give anything away but it's something that i did that i was that I'm, in my life that i'm really ashamed of um but that I also don't regret. Mm-hmm. So it's a we- and it's a weird thing to just say, yeah, I did something wrong, uh, and I knew it was wrong to do, and I still did it. Because I think on social media and everything now, it's always like there's always an excuse. There's always like, do you know? Do you, do you have that friend where like they go on holiday together? They go on holiday on their own, and they're taking amazing photos. And it's like I'm actually just gonna like really trust my heart this year and stuff. And it's like they like cheated on their boyfriend or whatever. And it's like do, you don't have to like d- you know disguise it in all this language. Just be like, yeah, I fucked up. Like I did something wrong, you know. Um, and it's all the, it's sort of about the public and the personal and, and yeah, that's kind of what I've been talking about recently. So, so I'm not going to ask you to give anything away, but <laughs> I do want to get into that more because it's interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. and so relatable, right? Like we all have a lot of those people we follow who seem to build lovely stories around their lives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's exhausting and it's draining and it makes us all feel like we have to be perfect or have a life that looks a certain way. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's not influencers that really bother me because I also I also think that everybody's sort of cottoned onto that now. Everyone's a bit like, oh, and, and fair play, it's their job. It is mm. their job to have that perfect life. And I've never, it's not the comparison thing that's ever actually got to me. I've never felt like, oh, they've got this, I've got to have it. I know a lot of people do, but I never think that. It's when I know the truth of somebody that I sort of know, or even a celebrity, you know, because I've, worked in the media for years you know you're hearing like well actually behind the scenes they're like this and of course nobody's going to come on and be like do you know what I'm actually a bit of a cow all the time because they don't think they are but it's when uh, I think it's the the sort of morality of social media more that I'm trying to comment Mm. on you know of uh, of everybody I mean it is funny it is funny that we feel like we have to be like well, this, uh, you know, my relationship has, uh, has ended and it's a, it's a conscious uncoupling. And, like, sometimes you just uh, you just want someone to be like, fucking hell, that was an absolute nightmare. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? not, not even, like, throwing any shade on anybody else because, because relationships end and it's shit without anybody doing anything necessarily. But, um, and then I think there's just, there's a fine line publicly and with your mates and, and in your own head of not being like, oh, my God, this is perfect but also not being one of those people that every seven minutes they're like, okay, so um, we actually faced each other today and we talked about this. Like, just just relax. Just live just your be life. Human. You be human. Yeah, <laughs> exactly that. Um, so, yeah, the show's actually sort of ended up being a little bit more about that 
that public bullshit than I thought it was going to be. But um, I just, yeah, I do love the rhetoric that that people use sometimes. A bit like I commented on earlier because I was writing this morning, just that sort of, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Like, what are you talking about? Like, people that, you know, they, they sort of, they have this public thing of shouting about how people can't handle them all the time. It's like, yes, because you're shouting about how people can't handle you. People don't want to be shouting. Shut up. Like, <laughs> We've been talking a lot about, like, the, I don't know if you've seen this going around, the therapy talk breakups, friend breakups, where, like, friends drop their friends with, like, a the season of our friendship is oh, over. Oh, I, I read a thing about this last week. Yeah. Is pe- are people actually doing that? It happened to me. No. What, somebody said that to you? They didn't use those exact words, but it was very like, we need to set some boundaries in our friendship, blah, blah, blah. They're probably going to listen to this now. Um, right, yeah. Well, whoever you are. like no. it, was, it was very like, a, you know, I was giving you space, but you you weren't engaging with me in the manner I expected. Oh, it's it's so weird, isn't it? My best friend's a psychologist and she, you know, she says that of course sometimes in friendships you have to do that, but you don't have to speak to them like they're a client. <laughs> you can just speak to them like yeah, they're your friend and and be normal. Yeah. And open and honest, but at the same time just yeah, not like not like you're on film, not like you're being I think a lot of people live their lives like they're being watched. Well it's also I imagine maybe completely on like no professional whatever from my opinion here but the fact that we have like cameras in our hands all the time right and we are seeing people recording and we're like seeing how people record their lives constantly where there is this sense of like as you said with like even the breakup right like i'm gonna craft this entire narrative yeah absolutely produce it out for all of you as opposed to just like you know things weren't working out so we broke up And I, do you know what, my favourite thing as well is when somebody has a breakup and then they start posting thirst traps. I'm like, you go for it. I Get your tits it. out. Go, absolutely go for your life. Get the word out there. Like, that is absolutely great. They don't, you don't have to announce the breakup. You're like, she's single again. That is the announcement. Here, here she is. The announcement is here. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely love, I'm in full support of that. I love when someone's like back on the single market. It's like, get out there. Um but that that's like more honest than being like, oh, you know, got to bake my bread and be, be all wholesome. As if, no, go on the slut spiral. Go and have fun. I love this. Yeah, document the slut spiral. That's what people want to see. <laughs> well, it's much more real than Absolutely. the stuff we're putting out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm in full support of that. Yeah. Where do you think we're going then? Like, we've reached the, the, the peak aesthetic, right? Like, we're, we're past that, hopefully, hopefully, as you're pointing yeah, to. I think like, so. what happens next? Do we all just, like, melt down on social? Yeah, I don't know. I do feel like people are withdrawing a little bit. Like, a lot of people sort of now use it for... Um, more, I wouldn't say, like, all professional, but I, I, I would say, like, people are starting to realise, and I do think it's going a little bit the other way with, with you know, with withholding personal yeah. stuff which I think is not necessarily a bad thing. I do, I do think, I mean, everybody loves it when someone's being really personal or someone, when someone absolutely goes for somebody else. I mean, it's it's human nature. We love bitching, we love gossiping. I'm not going to apologise for that. But, you know, I do think in general people are like, yeah, I'll use it for, you know, having a bit of fun and stuff and mm. showing you what I ate today. I was reading an article, actually, I was working for a magazine recently and they were like, photographing your food is back. You know, we're almost, like you say, I think gone full circle. Yeah. We're like, Show us, show us what, show us what you're up to, good and bad. Just you know, be human. Yeah, I think that's probably the the popularity of be real, yeah. isn't it? Which I'm too old to be on. I can't go on any more platforms. I can't join TikTok or Snapchat because I'll never be off my phone. Um, but I do think that's why people like it. 
because it's just you just want to see what your pals are up to really it also feels like what you're doing with comedy is the same thing right you're just being human on stage in a very like thoughtful considered way but you're being human in a way that we don't generally see on our phones and so it's refreshing and like yeah exactly yeah and yeah that's sort of what I wanted to do I wanted to talk about um because often you know comedians are talking about this thing happened to me and I you know I was sad or this person passed away and here's how I dealt with it which have absolutely I've seen some absolutely brilliant shows about grief about breakups about being the you know the one that's hard done to and I've had loads of that in my life but people have heard that a lot so I thought what if I flipped it on its head and talked about essentially a scenario where I was the one in the wrong because Um, we've all been there too yeah because exactly yeah so hopefully people can relate to that as well there's a lot of vulnerability in doing that though yeah I know I've I have had times where I'm like why am I doing this um (laughs) And sort of a challenge to my own likability on stage. <laughs> Being like, I'm smiling while I, while I tell you this. Um, but yeah, it's, it'll hopefully be still funny. That's the main thing. Because um, a lot of people, when they're writing Edinburgh shows, you know, they're like, you have to have the 40 minute mark where it's really poignant and, you know, it makes people think and stuff like that. I don't really, I don't really want to do that. I think people will come away from it anyway, thinking that. And it doesn't have to be... I don't think you have to have a really serious point in a show for it to still make people think about what they've seen. What do you want people to think about with your show? Um, I want it, I want them to think it's funny. I think that's what we have to remember about comedy. <laughs> Especially yeah. Edinburgh shows, sometimes it's like an extremely emotional piece and you're like, wow, that was incredible, but it wasn't that funny. Um, but you know, I want, a few, I want people to think it's funny and I want people to essentially, like you say, realize that everybody is 3D, everybody has, done stuff that you're not hearing about everybody is human and there's and it doesn't necessarily mean there's a lot of talk about I'm trying to be a better person in comedy or like oh I don't think I'm a bad person it's like nobody really is a good or a bad person obviously there's some absolute wrong ones out there don't get me wrong um and they've also got the friend that never does anything interesting because they're so good and you're like oh boring um but most people are the 90% in between you know so we're we're not good we're not bad we're just human yeah yeah, yeah, everybody's going to make mistakes and uh, hopefully learn from them. But if you don't, then you'll kind of get, you know, you'll get your own karma, including me, you know. I'm not exempt from, from anything, but hopefully I have learned. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're making comedy about it, so. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, monetize the mistakes. That's, if anything, that's what we can learn. <laughs> that's the way out of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell people about it and uh, you won't have to have a therapist. That's what, that's my, I just tell rooms of strangers instead. Have you always, has that always been like the through line for you? If like, this is what it is to be a real human. Do you think that when you started out, there was another, not that there has to be like one point, but mm. I'm curious about like the things you want people to leave feeling or like thinking about. Um, I think, yeah, sort of definitely relatability and uh yeah I guess being human is a, is a nicer way to say that is has always been a, a through thread not all, not always doing things wrong that's kind of like just like sort of for this show but my friend this sounds like a really cheesy thing to say but when in fact I spoke to my friend James who made me do that first ever gig mm-hmm. years ago and I told him the idea for my show and he was like yeah it's he said it's basically you're talking about doing woman wrong where he was like I'm a bloke and there's not really a way for me to do it wrong um and I sort of liked that angle that he said. 
say more about that that is so interesting yeah he was he was just sort of saying like you know if i had a baby at 50 with someone that was 30 sure people would be like wow okay <laughs> took it wrong it wouldn't be like half of the course you know but it would still there's a lot more options available to him um and a lot more options that aren't sort of traditionally seen with pity you know like if you're a single 50 year old woman that's got a career and you haven't got kids or you haven't got a partner I think people people definitely are like wow brilliant but like is she happy but if you're a guy like that I think people don't really think anything they're just like oh sweet do you know what I mean I don't I just don't think there's a level of um I think there's a level of emotion attached to any woman's situation that there isn't always with men I don't want to be too polarizing because it does happen to men as well, but it's definitely the the pity part is so true though, right? Yeah, he's like the hot bachelor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's have you? I don't know. I'm being too niche now, but I read um, Fleishman is in trouble at mm. Christmas, and that that basically highlights you know this the mum in the suburbs and that she's a little bit frustrated, but that even though the the sort of playboy character in it as well is kind of seen as like a bit pathetic, generally he's he's kind of doing quite well yeah, <laughs> yeah very much so yeah yeah and and even the main character you know he's getting divorced but he's you know he's sleeping with all these women and he's having a great time and and he can yeah um i, I do the you know as you get older you are sort of like oh <laughs> it's yeah it's also like a why do you think that is why do you think the pity exists for women who are i think because everybody assumes that we want a certain thing I think everybody assumes that we can't really have casual sex. Um, I think people definitely know, you know, in 2023 that women can have sex and not want to marry the person or even go out with them. But I think people still really struggle with women not having any sort of emotional connection. to You know, of course you like the person or whatever, you're having sex with them. But I think people struggle with women being involved in like a casual hookup culture. I think people always think we're, well, in the end, we want marriage and kids. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I don't, I don't feel like there's, I read this thing, and I've gone off on a standard, but um, I read this thing in, in Dolly Alderton's column where she said, I think, and I think she was quoting somebody else, but she said, heterosexuality is the only thing where success is measured by death. And it's like, yeah, why does it have to be this like one yeah. thing where like, well, if you don't stay with them until you die, you fail. Um, I think... You know, definitely, like, my, all of my gay male friends definitely have, like, a completely different worldview, whether it's, you know, my gay friends that are married or whether it's my gay friends that are, you know, very into sort of um, hookup culture and stuff yeah. like that. They definitely don't have, like, nobody cares in a good way. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Nobody's like, oh, why are you doing that? Because you want to. You know, I think everyone's That's like, enough. well, let her do this now, but then in the end she'll want to do this. Whereas I don't think people put that on men, it's- gay or straight. It sounds like there are two things that I I definitely feel that you're touching on. One is the morality associated with like a woman's role is still expected to be wife and mother, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like even if we do other things, we are other things. Yeah. Even if we have the space to be funny, we have the space to have career as independence. At the end of the day. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. In the end, but then like do this for now, sure. But then like then you'll have to do this. Whereas I'm like, no, I just want to be silly forever and have fun relationships. Like, is that bad? <laughs> it's yeah. And then the other part is the wanting, right? Like that's the we're not allowed to want really. We're not given space to like what do like no one ever asks what do you want. It's just assumed that what we want is yeah. the straight line. Yeah, and I think that that's why there's so many conversations like this happening now because actually a lot of my friends 
are thinking but I think I think a lot of my friends are now thinking about what they want and some of them do want wife and uh, wife and kids some of them do want um marriage and kids and that's great but like some of them are sort of like ah do I actually or (laughs) right and I think it works the other way for men in a negative way as well I think a lot of guys think oh I better have kids because I don't want to be seen as like this Mm. sort of bachelor that goes on too long but then again it's not necessarily that they want them it's that they they sort of think they should. I do think it happens to both people. It's just that everybody else looking in doesn't yeah. feel that about the guys, if you know what I mean. It's it's like the family is the like the nuclear family, the heterosexual nuclear family is like still the construct that we're yeah. su- supposed to subscribe to. Yeah, definitely. And then there's the patriarchy as well, which like yeah. boxes us in. patriarchy, <laughs> um, which I'm combating by wearing football shirts. Um, and yeah, I do think... It's, it's definitely that. And I think also what happens a lot uh, with my friends is that they're in relationships or, you know, they're married and they, my female friends, and they don't necessarily want kids or they don't know if they want kids. And the guy is desperate to have kids. And you're like, yeah, of course you are. Because like it your life yep. doesn't have to massively change. Obviously, yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't change for a guy. I'm just saying if I was a bloke, I probably would want kids. Right. But the fact that I'm a woman... I'm like, no, fuck that. Like, <laughs> it's it's a conversation I have with my female friends so much now. Yeah, where we're similar ages, and it's definitely like a, it's going to change our lives. Yeah, and if we are with men, it's not gonna, it, it will change their lives. But like, it definitely will. But of course, they're more willing to have the kid because they've got less to, to give up. Yeah, they've got less to sacrifice. They've got less to change. And it, so. it, it doesn't, like, change the trajectory of how they see their life. If, like, they don't factor it into, yeah. like, career decisions yeah. or, like, the art they're making or whatever, right? Like, they're still going to plan to do what they want to do. And Definitely. a child is just, like, another point on that yeah. path as opposed to with most of the women I know. It's a, oh, I need to think about, am I ready to step off this ladder exactly. for like a year? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it's... Um... And then I think it's sort of problematic as well because a lot of people... If they see a man, um, you know, stepping in as as the main caregiver, like say if they give up their job or something, there's definitely still judgment on that as well. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, we can't win. <laughs> you know, like the system is broken. It's not supposed to let us win if we do anything different, right? Yeah, exactly. Because I think some people are like, oh, you know, her husband doesn't work now. Blah, blah, blah. That must be a bit emasculating. It's like, no, she's probably loving it. Like. <laughs> She can go to work and he and he probably is as well, like if he was willing to do that. Do you know what I mean if they've talked about it? Great. Do you feel like comedy is a space where not to not to bring this back, but like yeah. I, I do want to do you feel like that's a way to have these conversations without like it being like a oof, this is heavy. Now we're gonna like discuss, you know. Yeah, it def- it's a way to just poke fun at stuff that you've been thinking anyway. It's a way to make people laugh and make people think at the same time about the absurdity of some things. Um, it, especially with, with stuff like this, you know, and you can see, you can sometimes see like guys being like in the audience if, if a woman's talking about the kind of things that we're talking about now, just being like, oh yeah. <laughs> can you I, see their eyes open while you're like... Yeah, sort of like, oh shit, yeah. Um, yeah, a comedian called Sarah Barron t- talks about this brilliantly about how, you know, dads are sort of like celebrity chefs, like they do the bare minimum, but they get all the credit. <laughs> I don't like rip off her whole bit, so hopefully that was an, enough that you get the vibe. But it was a brilliant concept, you know, that she talks about, and a lot of guys in the audience were like cracking. Like, and if, and if a person's laughing at it, it means they're understanding mm. themselves. They're, see, they're seeing themselves, 
you know. I really like that if someone's laughing at it, it means they, you, you've actually like gotten them to understand. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. They're not laughing out of ignorance. They're mm. laughing because they've realized that it's them. Mm. Yeah. That's, did you go in with the intention of like, I want to get people to see X or Y or Z differently? Or was it just, this is fun and... Mostly just the fun thing. I mean, sometimes when I when I do talk about stuff, it's it's implied. But yeah, the better comedian you are, it's you know, show don't tell. So it's basically like you're not saying it, but yeah. if people are smart enough, they'll be like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but things like the morning after pill bit that I did, mm. um, yeah, stuff like that is sort of like, look how fucking stupid this is. Like, right. this is ridiculous and a lot of guys don't know that you have to go in for the little chat you know it's always educational it, it, and a much more entertaining way of being educational than like a oh definitely yeah, yeah. and some you know some women might have never had it and been like what you have to do that you know yeah um says, says a lot about me and my friendship group that i'm like maybe some women haven't had the morning after <laughs> what you just have it don't you um yeah but with with things like that you're touching on um you're touching on something where you're trying to tell somebody something but a lot of the time it's just just for fun and that is what comedy is for it is the it is it can be educational it can it can change the way people think and you can make a brilliant point like especially political comedians that are a little bit more on the nose with it but even with even with people like me that are talking about fairly surface topics really you can make people completely forget their own life while at the same time making them think hmm that's that's a good point. <laughs> One thing I really like about when done well, like even what we're talking about now, it's not that so often women end up being the butt of the joke, right? As opposed to the like the brokenness of everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which there's so much power in like you're opening people's eyes to look at how like fucked up everything is as opposed to just laugh at like us yeah yeah but the, one of the things that i do try and do is take the piss out of women a lot because that is equality mm. like you can't you can't or i don't really have a go at like men or anything in my set because i think it's a little bit hack now it's a little bit done and but i do think that people are afraid to take i mean it depends who's doing it and why is you why you're doing it do you know right. what I mean? like you can't have a guy just like railing against women for like no because you'd be that, like you're a prick yeah, you that's what I, mean? what I meant when i said women as the butt of the exactly. joke which is often historically which how it's used been. to be yeah. the thing and now it's just and it, and it happens with anything you know i wouldn't it's called punching down you know yeah. you can't you can't do a joke that's too true yeah because it's in that sense so it's kind of that sounds like i'm you can't do something that's a real injustice mm. unless you're taking the piss out of it in a right in the right way you can't be on the side of the oppressor in the joke right so that you know that your audience is your own litmus test really but i kind of talk about how we shouldn't be afraid to take the piss out of women as well like we're annoying we're bad we do bad shit like you know and it's a it's the the classic example that i always use is like mother's day cards and father's day cards like every father's day cards is like dad you're a fucking idiot blah 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 and it's always taking the piss out mm-hmm. of guys and every, there's no mother's day cards that make a joke about women it's always like Mum, you are a unicorn on a bed of flowers and I love you so much. Thank you for doing everything for me. It's like, oh my God, how boring. Like, you know, why do women have to be this archangel mother in a, in a Mother's Day card, obviously? Yeah. Um, and men are just sort of, see, it just reinforces that thing of like men are fucking useless. And that's not true, you know? Like, we, and we should take the piss out of men and women equally. It's, I mean, it's just reinforcing stereotypes if you, if women are like the, 
the angelic saviors and men are yeah. bumbling fools. Yeah, exactly. And and I have and I have um, you know people that I not already any of our mates, but like people that I know that they, they treat their male partner like an absolute idiot all the time. And then they're like, oh, he's being an idiot. And I'm like, yeah, because you're fucking treating him like one. Like, that is, what, that, that is yeah. what happens. You're becoming his mum. That is my pet hate. Like, don't do that. Like, don't let people... Mm. And it's not, it's not their fault either, but yeah, some people, it's like, you know, they go away for the week and they're like, I've made all his meals and stuff. Like, Why? Like, which way around did that start? Sometimes I'm sure it's his fault. Sometimes I'm sure it's her fault. Like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Why are you reinforcing the fact that he's a baby? It's wild. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. There's something you said earlier, which I want to go back to, where you said your audience is your litmus test. And I'm curious about, like, have you ever encountered, we've obviously talked about, like, city audiences where I imagine, at least in thought, are somewhat in the same wavelength as you. Yeah. Is it, has it ever been the case where, like, you make a joke and you're like, oof, this audience isn't ready for this? Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, especially if I ever make, if I ever do do a joke about the Tories or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. if you're, if you know, if you're doing that in Kent, you know, you are going to get, you're going to go against them. But sometimes you want to go against them because you're like, you're fucking idiots. Not everybody from Kent. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I do mean all Tories, though. Um, and, uh you know you are you are gonna you are gonna go against the grain a bit but you have to sort of like either decide to do material that be inoffensive to them inoffensive is the wrong word you know what i mean like that they're gonna agree with is what i should say or if you're just gonna like double down and sort of point out some stuff which they might sometimes that comes around and then they love it you know what i mean so do you still try and get them to like you or are you just like i am we're past the liking point now we're just gonna like go with the i'm not really looking at at an aggravating comedian on stage but I I still want them to like me but I'm still trying to point stuff out Mm. if you know what I mean Mm. but I'll do it in a way hopefully that makes them still like me whilst being like I don't agree with you but do you ever get uncomfortable like I'm thinking about someone listening to this who's like going home and has their like Tory uncle at the dinner table and is like Ooh, I, I want to say something I don't know how to say something should I say something and you're basically doing that but in a bigger scale. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, some people you can have a reason debate with, some people you can't. That's true of your family and a gig. Mm-hmm. Like some people will sit there and, and probably think, hmm, I see what you mean. And other people will be like, no, absolutely not. And, uh, and you, you know, I can't always have a go at those people because they would never convince me to vote the way they do. Right. So as much as, you know, we I guess we want to... Um, shake each other sometimes uh you know you do have to respect that people are gonna think differently to you but you can try you can try and point something out and hope that you turn 10 percent in in places yeah. like that do you know what I mean so you don't like get upset when the audience is just like not buying it no you after a while you're just like no this is you know mm-hmm. sometimes you're like this is a lost cause let's go <laughs> like <laughs> really good life skill right where it doesn't it doesn't get to you because... yeah oh yeah god no sometimes you're like that was hard but you don't let it affect you it's also such an instinct we have to say sorry right you just apologize for oh, talking <laughs> i apologize all the time so badly to the point where like my boyfriend was like you don't have to say sorry for that i'll be like sorry that was boring and he was like you know you can just say you can park over there and it doesn't have to be a joke i'm like yeah okay you're right yeah yeah but i do say sorry all the time it's it's such a woman thing as i do it too and yeah i i get called out regularly where it's like a, can you just stop the fucking apologizing oh i know it's so bad isn't it what do you think it is i don't know i think 
I think it's probably thinking about what other people think of you, Mm -hmm. which is the total opposite to what my job is. Well, yes and no. I want them to like me, but if they don't, it doesn't get to me. But you need them to like you to some extent to be able to To get them to laugh. To make them have a better evening, basically, yeah. They're going to have a nicer time if they like me, yeah. Which it's also we want people to like us because it makes life easier in some way, right? Oh, way easier. You get way more free shit if people like you. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess guys don't have to say sorry to be liked, which is the difference generally. Yeah, I think so. I've got a skewed version of that as well. My housemate is very, we're both, he's a male comedian Mm. and he's, we're both like, the sorry sorry no worries if not brigade like it's he's a very sort of quietly spoken very funny guy and we're like god we are a nightmare in a restaurant you know if somebody brings us the wrong food we're like no problem we will just eat that and have the allergic reaction Fine. oh yeah I've, i mean i haven't had the allergic reaction but the number of wrong meals i've eaten yeah just no, yeah it's sorry, all right thanks. yeah no, no worries no oops sorry if i say oops sorry more like less than 10 times a day i'd be surprised I tried for a while to replace sorry with thank you, but... That's a good yes. It, it, well, you just seem so fucking grateful after a while. <laughs> just absolutely kicking a child. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for letting me. Thank you for letting me express myself. Um, yeah, I do. I, I should try and stop doing that because when you watch yourself back doing comedy, you realise your verbal crutches mm. all the time. And then so you try and eliminate them so that you're not saying... um or guys or my new one is that's that's the vibe <laughs> my sets recently i'm like why do i keep saying that and so you have to re- eliminate that so i feel like that's a good exercise to try and stop saying sorry when it's not needed just replace it with something else yeah my friend does my best mate does say thank you to a cash point though when she gets her cash so that's that's nicer i guess nicer than saying so i'd probably say sorry <laughs> sorry for making you do a job i once apologized to a taxi driver because i said oh sorry sorry you've come all this way and he was like you know you have paid me for this right it's my literal job it's to do literally this his job yeah it's like, i know but it's very far isn't it <laughs> It's, well, it's also, at least for me, it's interesting because the sorry instinct is a little bit of the instinct to like make myself smaller in a space or like to... Yeah, I guess it is that. Yeah. But then you're on stage and you're taking up all the space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is weird because I'm not like that on stage. I'm not, like I say, I'm not aggressive. I'm not in your face, but I'm also not a sorry comedian on stage. Because, I mean, it's it's your stage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a... I I imagine a lot of us like I'm not like that at work but I am like that in my personal life as well yeah Yeah. so I'm just gonna get take us to our last question yeah um which is a cheesy one you listen to this podcast so you you probably know what's coming is yeah it's called little revolutions and the idea is that like it's really hard to make big change and the world is really bleak and fucked up and that isn't generally what I say but that's how I'm feeling today so it's it's hard but we can all do little things and little things add up and you're doing the big thing and the little thing on stage by making people just pay attention to to realness right now and being human right now yeah and laughing at it and seeing it but if someone wants to take up that space and try try to get the world around them to pay a little more attention what little things can they do what little revolutions can they start making oh little revolutions that other people can start making um don't bottle things up in a relationship because that's what I think ends up creating that like everyone goes you know creates those channels that are very well worn that we don't really say anything and then we just you people fall into things in their life like Mm. we're talking about the timeline that they don't necessarily really want so I think don't be afraid to just say how you feel even if that's bad (laughs) 
Um, that's sort of related to what I'm doing because I'm basically saying I don't want X, Y, Z. And it doesn't have to be this way. And little revolution. Yeah, don't feel, don't feel like you have to do something just because everybody else is doing it. Like, it's very easy for me at the moment to be like, oh, yeah, I don't want kids and stuff. Because, like, my friends don't really have them either. But I, I imagine that if all of my friends got married and had kids tomorrow, I would feel the pressure to do it. And the pressure and from myself. Yeah. You know, because I'd be like, oh, God, I'm the only one out. So just try and really think about what you want and not what you think you should want. How have you done that? Has it been a journey for you or was it, was it easy? I, how have I done that is probably that sort of what I touched on earlier is that I sort of worked in a job that I didn't really... I loved it at the start mm. and then when I didn't, I did something about it. And I, st- I didn't stay in a relationship that I wasn't happy in, even though it was very stable. It was you know mm. very easy to stay in. Um, and there was nothing wrong with it. It's just that I wasn't happy. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you move out of London, you get way more space, you get this, you get that. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm living in, you know, in that, a great part of London and I'm probably paying too much. And I've got all these fights on my hands all the time with like, you know, landlords yeah. and all the shit that we do all, all the time. But I'm still doing it because that's the life I want to live. And yeah. I generally, I'm really happy. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think a lot of people, they, they kind of do, they kind of go along, they're sort of a passenger in their own life and then they sort of wake up and think, fuck, I've done all this stuff because that's what I was supposed to do. But you don't have to do that. That's sort of what I talk about on stage very, very roughly. Um, and yeah, little, that and don't wear fast fashion. That's my <laughs> <laughs> two little revolutions. That's yeah. my two little revolutions. Yeah. I never wear anything new. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for this. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Alex for joining us. You can check out our show notes for more about Alex, her work, and where you can follow her.